This is the Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am your host, Shari Teigman, mindset coach and creative business strategist, and I am here to share with you the Mavericks of the world and pull the curtain back to teach you what it takes to have the mindset of a maverick. Today's guest is an amazing woman that I really can't wait to share with you. You will obviously hear my fangirl crush all over her throughout the episode, and her name is Holly Madge. So Holly is technically a drummer, but she's so much far more than that. She started drumming at the age of 10 uh, in a barn in Devon where she grew up, and it has emerged into this amazing, colorful career where she was just on the soundtrack of The Lion King uh, for the new release. She's played with Hans Zimmer. She's played with Idris Elba. She's played all over the world. She also loves to travel. She's got a dress company. She is just pure maverick through and through, and she's delightful. So I can't wait for you to meet her and fall madly in love with her and see that girls can do whatever they like. I'll see you in the episode. Welcome to another episode of Mavericks in Motion podcast. I am Shari and I have someone very exciting to share with you today. As you heard her bio before we got started, I am now ready to just dive in because I have about a million and a half questions for the gorgeous Holly. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, biggest pleasure. Biggest pleasure. I mean, I will say she just came from a morning rave and I haven't been more jealous of something in a long time. I'm sure she didn't get to dance because she was behind the drums, but um, beautifully said right before we pressed record, Holly said it is a beautiful way to make a living is you get to watch people dance all day long. And I dance all day long, but I don't play the drums. So we should take this on the road. (laughs) So Holly, I have a million. I don't even know where to start, but I will start with when I say the word maverick, do you see yourself as one? Um, in some ways, yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's, I think it's nice just to do things the way that you feel is best. Um, and sometimes perhaps our society doesn't really see that as, as the norm. So yeah. That was going to be my question. Do you realize that most people don't do that? Because a lot of mavericks don't because they're that maverick. They just do their thing. I'm you. I don't look what everyone else is doing. So I'm not always aware about how little people go do what they want. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I I, I surround myself with so many, or I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by so many people who do just follow their dreams that it doesn't really seem like the, like it's anything but my norm. But I, I know for some people that people sometimes feel a bit limited. So yeah. Feel lucky to just go for it and see what happens. So you were a little girl one day and you decided I'm gonna be a drummer, dress designer, entrepreneur, do whatever the hell I want at what age? Uh I was really lucky that my parents got me into music at about seven. So mm. I I started playing clarinet, uh, which was like the least cool instrument. So that told you how to be uncool. And then um and then picked up drums at 10 and we lived down in Devon. Uh, and so there's a really kind of free spirited attitude to life down there. And I think people were very open to you just going off and doing whatever and, um, and, and just giving it a go and being very artistic, which was really helpful. So yeah. That is amazing. So hobbies are very different than passions and careers. So it would have been glorious if you were a hobbyist drummer of, I love to do this in my free time. I, quietly go to my room, put my headphones on and get lost in my world. Like many people are with hobbies. That's like a step closer to, oh, well, I do something secret that makes me feel good about the rest of my muggle life. And then I go have a regular job and a regular boyfriend and do all of the regular things. That was not one of the options. I love you. I love you. (laughs) I think it was just, um, I don't know. I think so much of it is who you're surrounded by. And I was so lucky to have people in my life who just went, yeah, just go for it. I mean, you know, why not? What really is going to stop you? Um, so, yeah, from a very young age, I was always playing out um, in in pubs. My mum used to take me to jam sessions when I was a kid, age 15. Wow. And I'd be started, like jamming Hendrix with people like twice my age. And I'd have a half pint of Coke and a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. And that was my lot for the night. And um, mum would sit there. Uh, she'd take me to the gig. 
to sit, listen, listen to the comments of what people were saying when they didn't realise that she was my mum. And then, yeah, and then we'd have a good old catch up on the way home. So, yeah. I need to meet your mother. That's my kind of mother. That's incredible. So were there any other women drummers that you had as inspiration? What I love is it's gender neutral here because it's just the talent rather than age, gender, all of that. But we have to admit that it is more, unfortunately, more rare for a woman to have that much power, that much presence on a stage to be the one chosen for that role, even if they would close their eyes and hear you. I'm sure you weren't always their automatic choice. And I know this is going to sound strange, so tell me if I'm wrong. You're also beautiful, which could throw off some musicians because there's a role for the front men and there's a role for the back people. So there's a lot here that even within the realm of creativity that doesn't even follow those kind of rules. Yeah, do you know what? It's funny. Growing up, I really, I was, I was always playing in bands with guys. I rarely actually played much with girls, but I was never really aware of it at the time and no one ever made me feel like I was an odd one out. So growing up, was very much like, well, just do what you want. Um, And I was a bit of a tomboy anyway. And then when I got past university and when I think that was the moment where I realized that there was a differentiation. Um, Even at uni, we were all in it together. And as long as you were the best player for the job or you were, um, you know, willing to throw yourself at a project 110% um, to, to be the best player, then that was fine, that was cool. But when you left uni and suddenly the record labels are like, cool, we need three girls to back this guy. And then we need, and it got into like racial territory as well, where it's like, yeah, we need people. And you're just like, what is going on here? I'm sorry, does it matter how I play or this is just for like the front of the album? Just curious. (laughs) Exactly, truly there are a few moments. And, And at that point I was like, oh right, the industry can be a bit different. But then again, you just, um, it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people. You just pick the jobs that, that rely on you being a great player. And you can tell because once you start playing and you see how people react to your playing, how they react to certain things in your playing show you what they really are either after or what they're digging in your playing. And, and I think that's really key. Which is also beautiful about music and any performance in general is it's an intuitive conversation that people don't realize. It's not, although I don't doubt you perform well, I would think you are as good as what you do because you read the crowd, give it back. You're having that conversation. They feed you the energy that you need to give back to them, knowing where to take it, where to go, especially because there's so much jazz mix and rock and roll. You know, have such a unique style of playing. You can just tell how intuitive it is. So you lift off, but they feed you to know where you're going to go with it. Exactly. Exactly that. And I think that's such a special thing to have in a job for it to be amazing. such a two-way element you know so I have it as a coach with language and with reading people but it's so much more beautiful without language because language screws everything up you know my interpretation even just culturally I mean I'm obviously very American in case no one could tell um but most of my clients are British and it's I've had to learn the intonations I've had to learn the tone of voice the style of words the way in which i say it i mean i'm a new yorker so i can be more abrasive but very loving so it's like that pattern interrupt same like in music so you get to play with that with the people's um sounds horrible play with people's emotions either with words or with music to take them on a journey they don't know how to go on on their own which is glorious because you leave them with a gift they didn't have before your drumsticks came out yeah yeah exactly love that Ah, oh, amazing, amazing. So you don't just drum. Not quite. Because that would be boring to <laughs> travel the world and drum with amazing people. So we will get up to what else you do. But first I want to ask you, so you've played with some heavy hitters. You've won awards recently, which, you know, the person who introduced us has told me about. And very excitedly, as you know, a friend of yours from Little Cornwall is like, Holly goes out, does things, then comes home to a place I think is Narnia and I would move in a heartbeat. I love that. (laughs) It's just magic. So how do you reconcile like regular life, Holly, in your beautiful kitchen with the gorgeous trees behind you and this quiet little sleepy, beautiful town? You know, being from that part of the country, it is very magical and the world is very big outside of it. So you go out, you do your thing, you create magic, and then you go back and you just 
stands in Tesco's like everybody else and they don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't think I'm really famous enough for anyone to know who I am. It's, uh, it, but it's, it's, it's such a nice grounding balance. You kind of, um, the worlds that you get to be part of are so extraordinary um, and the places you go and you think, God, how on earth have I ended up here? This is mad. Um, but then when you go home, you know that really what really matters to you are the true values of decent people. And, um, and Cornwall is full of decent people, as you know. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's a real, it's a real uh, hub for creative people, people who really are conscious about the environment, about communities. And I think, actually, community is probably the real key word here. Like, they everyone really looks after each other and looks out for each other and um, and lifts each other up and that's really special um so yeah so there is a bit of a, a a double world and recently i found it a lot easier because we've taken on a little flat in clapham nice. um, which has just allowed me to be able to kind of have that buffer middle ground you know because it is, it's a different stratosphere that's a lot to kind of land back in and back out. You couldn't find two more extremes. My first trip ever to England a couple of years ago, and now I come a lot for work, I got to the airport and went straight to Cornwall. So I thought that's what it was for a full week. And then we drive back up to Essex, okay? Talk about, talk about a differentiation. And as we're driving further and further up, we stopped at a service station. I'm like, oh, we're not in Arnia anymore. <laughs> Like, can we go back to pretend land? I like it back there. You know, it's just, I, I'm glad it happened that way. It wasn't I went there and then I went there first. So it was, I get it. So yeah. there's another element to how grounded you are as a person in those values, given that what other people would presume would be the rock and roll lifestyle. You know, you're around a lot of things. The world is very fast. There's the drugs, the drinking, the celebrity, the speed of everything. And the big lights, the big cities, the travel, it's addictive to a lot of people. And as we know, I mean, very obviously, unfortunately, just recently, um, a massive uh, British uh, star committed yeah, yeah. suicide. And so again, it's not, I'm like the, the little bird on the perch because it's not my culture, but I'm so in it. I get to watch everyone's reaction without my own reaction. So it's a really interesting perspective to watch how culture and society gets so affected. It's like an anthropological study here. Um, you know, to the core of so many people's childhood in our age range. So we all know what rock has given people, both the great stuff and the tough stuff, and it doesn't seem to affect you in that way. Um, yeah, I think we're, I think it's quite interesting when you look at gen different generations that have gone through it. So 15, 20 years ago, I think it was um, far more full on, I think, than it is now. Um, there's a sense of mindfulness is important to so many people now and it's something that we all talk about that much better and of course it's 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 not really talked about quite enough or it's not um people don't feel open enough yet but we're we're making progress i think and um and also i think we, we kind of joke a bit amongst our friends because sometimes if we're backstage at a gig waiting to go on you know oh, what have you been up to and one of them's kind of like yeah well i'm 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 learning to be a personal trainer on the side. So I'm, I'm looking at my meal things. And then someone else is talking about their accounts. And we're like, oh my God, what no, happens? It's so not what people think happens behind the scenes. Really <laughs> I love it. Like, but I love that because there is that leaving yourself to go into a creative mode, which is what scares a lot of regular people about creatives because they almost don't know how to relate to us because in their minds, we're somewhere else where we're not really, we're just expressing out loud. Um, which is beautiful and intimidating, but rather, like you're saying, it can now be an inspirational thing is anybody can do it because you don't have to have a certain kind of persona or a certain addiction or a, a horrible depression that leads you to write beautiful music, which is glorious but heartbreaking how many artists there have been that through their pain is where this gorgeous stuff came from. Yeah, I, I totally. I mean, I think there's probably quite a sliding scale. I think if you're someone that writes a lot of your own material. I know I only write my best lyrics when I am slightly engrossed in the motion for a bit and I'll almost manufacture that as best I can. I remember writing some lyrics on the way back um, through the Lake District on Armistice Day, which was like 11th of November here. And, um, and I remember I just had the start of this song and I was listening to Radio 4's coverage of the Armistice Day stuff. I was there, I had my red poppy on. So no way! I was. 
and um, and I remember thinking, God, I'm right in the minute, right here where I am geographically and in my mind. And to finish this song off, I need to stay here. So I just pulled the car in and stayed there and stayed in that moment and in that mindset. Um, and I think there is a there's an element of just trying to step one step back from your initial emotions and being able to kind of just be like, okay, cool, this is where I'm at. I need to be in this to write this song, but I need to also remember to kind of like remove myself from it later. That is a skill I work with clients on all the time and they don't know how to do it. So many people are afraid of their emotions because in the past they have been taken by them or they go too low and they can't modulate between who they want to be, what it serves them in their life. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it is so obvious in music and it's not obvious in life where there are times where, you know, I, I, I'm in the coaching and personal development industry heavily, but I always say I'm the non-twatty life coach because <laughs> if you feel like crap, get in there, sit in it. I don't, you know, I'm not going to move you until you're done with it. It's yeah. not safe. It, and there's no reason for it. Like there's value in our fears. There's value in the things that scare us and overwhelm us. And if we pretend that we're always up here we're not yeah. being true to ourselves and it's not sustainable. So it's going to wallop you when you're not looking because, you know, it's like that stroppy kid in a supermarket. If you ignore it, it's going to turn something over much louder in your life. So, you know, tend to the weeds, tend to the fears. Yeah. Um, so on that note, where do fears come up in your life? You've taken a lot of what you would not necessarily deem risks, but Someone else may seem as risky. And you've said a few times, which I love, community, support of the right people, surrounding yourself with the right people. Did you always know how to choose those people or it's an intuitive, I feel comfy here, this feels good, I'm gonna stay here and this doesn't feel good. So where does your internal compass play a role in your life and is it something you've developed? Have you made wrong steps and then had to be like, oh shit, that was a bad one? Um, or has it just been like this evolution? I think in terms of career-wise, I think it's, I think, I think a lot, I was incredibly lucky growing up to have mum and dad's influence, which really kept everything level and stopped me getting taken with the bullshitters. I could really, I could see that from a mile off. So, um, and I always, I think I just had that gut that was like, oh, I don't think this person really means what they're saying. And, you know, obviously there's always occasions where you think, oh, well, I'll try it and I'll see, but there's a level of caution in there. That I try and keep for a bit and then once I know that, that person is is genuine then it's just all out because if you're gonna make music with them or start a business with them you've got to kind of really commit otherwise you know what's the point you know, you're not gonna get the best too short to be checking over your shoulder all the time you know yeah, exactly. I'd rather learn from my own mistake but I've gone all in than dabbled and never known how good it could actually be yes exactly and it's I found that the situations where it's got worse and I'd be like oh my god how have I ended up here um I've learned far more from those than any of the stuff where it's just been breezy yeah. and uh you know it's always nice to have a balance <laughs> you can't be stressed the whole time but, um, a break from the drama I am now looking only for nice people I can't yeah. I don't want any more lessons this week <laughs> yeah exactly I think there's got to be and I always joke with my um my fiance about um like if stuff's going too good I'm like right well I'm ready for something to hit hard because it's got to somewhere on the line. This can't otherwise balance up. And everyone else was like, I can't think like that. But I just rather expect something to be a challenge than go through expecting everything to, to be smooth because obviously that's not how it goes. Um, probably the only, from a personal perspective, I've only been really caught out once with like a narcissist who was really full on um, and I just didn't understand it uh, because I hadn't really trained myself to... I could. I just never come across someone like that before. I think again, growing up in Devon, yes, you don't yes. really come across that many people that aren't very open and and caring uh, and transparent. And I think that's that was a new thing. That was a definite new lesson for me. Um, but again, it's made me way stronger and way more uh, aware. I think um, without necessarily holding back, just just being conscious of what's around me. Perhaps I love it. Do you get afraid? Yes, definitely. <laughs> God, yeah. What scares you, and what happens when you get scared? Um, I usually, I'm not. Um, I had a bit of, I had a meltdown the other day about what I was going to do uh, in terms of how I was going to juggle my career and having kids when I decided to have kids one day, if I was lucky enough to. 
Um, and at that point, I sit on the sofa with my fiance, who very kindly listens to me <laughs> and provides me. You're not saying anything because I, I, you know, you see the men with the deer in the headlights, like, she's going to ask me if I look back <laughs> in the pants. This is never going to go anywhere good. I'm just going to, I'm going to stroke her from far. And if yeah, she fights, I run. Ben <laughs> <Yeah>. Jerry's. <laughs> exactly. Sweet or savory. Just tell me which yeah. direction we're going like. Salt and vinegar crisps or ice cream? I, that's the most important, always salt and vinegar crisps. <laughs> if anyone ever sees me in a mood, just throw crisps, crisps at me. It works <laughs> That's anyway. it. We're on McCoy's all day long. Yeah, the, um, I think I'm, I try to just get on with it and busy myself. And I know it's not really the right thing to do, but I do try and just kind of work through things in my day and keep myself busy to try and give it a bit of perspective. And then sometimes if it, if it is a big thing, it will just kind of bubble up and then just come out in one go and I'll cry a lot. And then um, as long as I can say my piece or if there's no one to say my piece to, write it down. Um, then I think that's the way that I deal with my fears. Um, also putting good music on. Like if I'm about to, I remember walking into a session and it was a pretty defining session for me in my career of just like, oh my God, how am I here? Uh, and I remember sitting on a bench outside and and, thankfully far away from everyone else just just cried for a bit in like oh my god what am I doing and then put on uh I can't remember what music it was I think it was Beyonce uh yeah, which is Beyonce beautiful. for me which makes me feel good I'm like it should be a, a guilty pleasure but I'm not I don't even feel guilty about it no I know <laughs> I feel like a cliche now though I'm like, it's fine we're a rom-com by ourselves it's fine <laughs> yeah exactly good yeah fine good <laughs> so that um and yeah that's what I tend to do so I'll put that on just get myself in the zone, try not to think about anything else. And um, and also just try once in a while to look back and realise that you, you got through a few fears before. It can't be that bad. Never taken you down yet, I mean. No, and also there was a really helpful thing that someone said when I, I used to work a bit in marketing and someone said, you know, um, it's not life or death. And so I always just think, right, okay, put this stuff in perspective. You know, I've got the utmost respect for people that have to deal with life and death every day. And, you know, uh, I have no idea how they have the capacity to manage that. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, everything else that I do is far inferior to that and <laughs> will always be. So uh, yeah, stop sweating the small stuff, I guess. I love it. Beautiful answer and very honest. I think a lot, the reason that, one of the reasons I created the show is because there are a lot of very cool people who do amazing things in the world. And all as humans, we're really good at putting other people on a pedestal and thinking we can't have what they have because they have this, they have that body, I have that money, they have that talent, they got that edge up. Everyone has fear, as my dad would say, very classy, everyone shits the same way. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the extraordinary people that do extraordinary things, it's regular people becoming, finding aspects of themselves and amplifying that to that maverick side of saying, you know what? Life can be whatever I want to make it. Yes, there's some people who are capable of more naturally and have whether it's a deeper empathy, a little unhingedness, which makes it fun to be around. You know, everyone has their own unique cocktail of that maverick, but it's not that someone woke up one morning and decided and they have no fears and nothing stops them and everything yeah. flies perfectly. So that's exactly why. I ask the hard questions that I do, so thank you for being tolerant of them. Yeah, cool, not in the slightest. <laughs> so you, as I said earlier, you are not only a brilliant drummer who travels the world and plays with very cool people. Um, I have some friends who have a massive crush on Idris, so that one was like the highlight, like dangle, dangle. Yeah, I mean, that is a very pretty black man. <laughs> he is glorious. He's just so, he's, he's so musical. Um, He's so musical, and you see the musicality run through him when he does. Oh, it just, but it's funny because I don't think of him as a musician. And then he, when you see him playing, it's like you almost can't see him as anything else. It's yeah. almost strange to think of him as not with music. When I, when I watch the clips, I said, how did everyone not know he did this always? Unbelievable. I know. I love him because he's just always got other things up his sleeve. And he's just, what I've really enjoyed about working with him over those 12 weeks was, um, the fact he would try new stuff out. He was never afraid to just give something a go and and nine times out of ten it would absolutely smash it. And then you know, if it ever didn't quite work to plan, um, he'd just carry on and get on with it. But it was the most amazing set and it was always really fun. Um and he always he always turned everything around. If there, you know, any time um you could see him thinking, Oh, I wonder if this will work. Smashed it. 
it was just and it was lovely to see and a, a, a really warm genuine human being and I think that's what makes me feel so happy because he reads like that but you never know so I'm so happy that that is the case oh just so it's not, that I assume would be your most sort of dream kind of sets to be on because it is that everyone takes a turn and it's almost like a jam session that other people watch and record rather than a stuffy structured you must do this and this is the way it looks so is that hard before you go into something or are called into a contract you know as you're never going to know how it plays out how do you choose the yeses and the noes when they come to you? <laughs> Very good question. Um, you start by saying yes to a lot of things for a long yes. time. Yes, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, never yeah. doing that one again. <laughs> you almost run yourself ragged, like working out what all the different areas are and what you might want to do. And then, um, and then you just kind of refine it over time. So I tend to find that a lot of projects that come through friends are generally brilliant. So, you know, if you've already worked with that person before, they know who you are musically. Um, all you've then got to work out is whether you're going to work well with these new people that are connected with those, those people. Or you're not going to be friends with those people anymore if it was a really bad recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> you're out. You're off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what comes up. I mean, that's not a challenge to anyone that does know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we'll see. But no, it's, it's, it's really fun um, working with friends and... Most of the time, you just go for those projects. Um, I think that sometimes you get new projects that um, are very much... Uh, you get music where it could be a little bit like... Um, you don't know what instruments you're even gonna be playing. You know, you just, you come along with your style, and your set of kind of your toolbox as, as if it were like your listening abilities your your um your abilities to interact with people um and that's really what you work from so yeah it's really varied and sometimes very hard to know what's going to work and what's not until you're writing that, that probably makes it more interesting for you if you always knew what you were walking into you know i mean given your personality you're probably bored out of your mind is i don't want to do the same thing every you know for this i could sit in an office and do the same thing every day <laughs> I yeah. couldn't do it either, so trust me, I get it. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. change and the variety, not always good, not always bad, but just the variety of just variety. Exactly, and the challenges of having projects that, because, you know, it changes in terms of length as well. You know, one, you, like this morning, for example, the people I did the morning raid with, um, I'd met all of them only this morning, so I didn't know any of them before that. Pre-caffeine too. That's that's big, man. <laughs> that is a lot. When you guys are used to being night owls, I don't know if I could do daytime oh that much. <laughs> this morning, it just felt so weird. Just being properly raving at seven o'clock in the morning in like a full glittery jumpsuit, sweating as well. Just being like, give me a coffee. <laughs> this is so I'm, weird. I'm now jet lagged for my life, and I didn't get on the plane. That's exactly awesome. what I felt. That was exactly because I kind of I think so often we get flown into these gigs short notice where like you get the first flight in the morning then you perform and then you'll catch the first flight home the next day it felt exactly like that <laughs> <laughs> really weird but great and very liberating you know it's nice to see people dance sober and um I love that really open up themselves without needing anything it was very refreshing amazing okay so we are going to leave the drumming and we're going to move to all the other aspects of holly so tell us what else you do because drumming all the time, all over the world with very cool people is not maverick enough. So you have other interests. <laughs> I um, I run a little clothing company called Sail Away Dress Company. I've got to stop calling it little. It's like five years old now. I was about to say it's not little <laughs> and the stuff is gorgeous. You're very kind. It's um, I started it by accident um, when I was on a gig out in India. Um, I literally came across this, this shop in the market store um area and uh, there was a dress in the back of it and i tried it on and i was like oh i really like this and i've not seen it anywhere in the uk and you know i've done an, my fair share of shopping yeah, i have <laughs> tested all of the stores <laughs> everywhere <laughs> um and so and i couldn't find it anyway so i was like okay cool um so i brought that back and, and ended up starting a business out of um this particular style of kind of summer floaty bohemian dresses just really super feminine easy to wear um and basically with absolutely no kind of fashion background whatsoever, um, I just thought, I know this product works because 
it works with my lifestyle and I've got enough friends who've got a similar lifestyle that, uh, yeah, there might be something in this. Um, yeah, so just address for people that are out and about active, just want to chuck something in their handbag so they know that if they end up in a bar, if they end up at, you know, an all right thing and it ends up in a, I don't know, a morning rave, <laughs> let's say, they've got something to cover all aspects of their it's also yeah. nice is I know you you do modeling as well. And what I love about the dresses, it's really for any size, any age, which is very rare in today's market. The colors are gorgeous. You just, it's funny. I've seen the dresses and now wherever I see them it, in my mind, I'm like, those are not as nice as yours. And I'm, I'm not kissing your ass because they are <laughs> definitely beautiful. And I'm a pattern person. So my eye is drawn to the fact that they are just flowy and anyone could wear them, which I just love because I don't think there's a lot of that out there and a lot of women don't feel beautiful in a lot of things or they will look and say, well, she can wear it because of X, Y, Z and I can't and they're not styled that way. It's just, it's flowy means it just hides all sins too, which I love. Yes, and I think that was, what was so interesting for me as an education um, was when we launched our uh, festival pop-up store, we would take it around and you would find exactly that people would literally come up to go oh well you look lovely in it but I wouldn't because of this and you're like well how about we just try one on and you know I think these colors would work really well on you and they're like yeah cool actually yeah that could work try it on and then you see an instant transformation people just literally pick them up and float around in them like, like a little girl spinning like so many yeah. women don't have that anymore you know we have all these judgments of society that's for a whole nother show about what we're supposed to look like and who we're supposed to be and if we're naturally one way or another it makes it right or wrong and to yeah. watch the transformation is i mean again like you said accidentally landed in this it's just such a beautiful gift back to people as someone who is a confident strong woman realizing there are lots who aren't that's very inspirational to young girls, even older women, to say, you don't have to ask permission or look a certain way or follow certain rules. No, exactly. And I think um, one of my favorite moments is when you have a mother and a daughter come in and the mother automatically goes to buy for the daughter. So she'll look around and she'll pick something out. And you're like, yeah, but what about you? And, and they're like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like they completely forgotten to look after themselves or even think about themselves. And then you know, uh, one of, I've got this most amazing group of um, women that I work with who are just all really uh, just so engaging and sparking fun and, and warm. And they are so good at like, picking out dresses for different people. They just got such good eye. And I remember they brought them along to this woman and, and she, this lovely mother, and she tried them on. And I just saw them later at Wilderness just rocking it. And that's happened time and time again. And I just think, oh, I love that. It's just like, it's almost like, freeing each person one by one no one really needs that much you know people say in my work well isn't it hard to sit in people's stuff all the time and it's so much emotion so the truth is none of us choose to be miserable and sad and give up our lives on purpose it's not like we don't wake up in the morning and be like i'm gonna destroy my life today with all of my bad fears and all the memories that stop me probably find a few assholes along the way to make sure it hurts even more i know i'm gonna go straight towards that guy but it really just takes a little bit of air in in the little spaces that we all get in. A little more permission, a little fun, a little music, some laughter, and a pretty dress that sometimes just makes life better. Absolutely. Absolutely that. And I think that's exactly what we found time after time over the whole of the last five years. And and it just puts people in a different mindset as well. They just get a little bit more confident, a bit more likely to be like, oh yeah, stuff it, let's go and do this, whatever. And it's just... And it's lovely to see, and you know, and you see boyfriends as well who are like, mm, I haven't seen that side of you. <laughs> Where's that pop-up shop going next time? <laughs> yeah, it's great. And it's lovely. And we have so many, so many guys that will send emails. And they're just such sweet guys. They'll be like, it's my, um, we're getting engaged soon, or I'm going to take her away on holiday, or um, we're going on honeymoon, I'd love to get a little present. And they'll buy dresses for their other half. And you know, sometimes they send in pictures or whatever of the ones they've already got, so we get a bit of an idea. Um, and, and yeah, and they're like, Could you just pick a dress that would suit her? And off you go. And, and they're like, and We love it, it's rocking. Oh, I love that, that's gorgeous. Yeah. So, you've got the dress company, you have the drumming, you also do modeling. How did that all come into play? <laughs> well, my sister's a photographer, so I don't. I don't do so much now. I used to do quite a bit with um, with her. I first started out doing stuff with her, um, basically just as her guinea pig, and I'd just sit in and she'd work on new lighting techniques. 
And as we went along, she and um, the person she was working closely with, Andy Green, um, they just taught me, you know, they'd be like, make sure you're aware of where the light is and, and all the way through. As long as I feel like, as long as you pay attention to what people are telling you on a shoot and you don't kind of play dumb, you can learn so much outside of your realm that's really helpful. And, you know, there's, there's intelligent models who really just know their world and they know the environment. And I think that's really important. And people can underestimate how tricky that stuff is to get right, especially when you're on a long day shoot. Um, so yeah, if you can be resilient and, and aware and you know intelligent with your surroundings and kind to people, then then yeah, great. That's the kind Doesn't of- No matter what you're doing then. I love that. And I like that you enter spaces that would maybe contradict how you live parts of your life and then you just do it your way wherever it is. <laughs> don't worry. If you ever decide motherhood's your thing, don't worry, you'll rock that too. Oh, you're very kind. And if you choose to not, it won't be. It'll just, but, th <laughs> but this is to me, and I really, I want to publicly thank you. Thank you for the honor of this. I know you're probably not used to doing things like this and it means a lot to me because this is what I want to show the world. I'm trying not to get emotional. <laughs> this is what women can be. This is what a strong person can be, regardless of their sex. This is what true self-identity and an understanding of self and understanding of beauty in the world looks like. So thank you. This means so much to be able to share this and ask the question and get open answers. It's just, it's glorious. So thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. I feel very honored that you've, that you've wished to invite me. You are my pleasure. Okay, thank you. So I teach five areas of a maverick life, which are self-relationships, business, well-being, and creativity. I think a lot, not I think, I know a lot of people compartmentalize, so they can be really good at business and they kind of fob off the rest because that's not their zone. And we end up really disjuncted, unhappy, grumpy society because we don't know how to be whole human beings. So um, at the end of every interview, I like to do a bit of a round table question. Um, are you up for it? Yeah, cool. Okay, cool. So the way this works is I'll throw out one of the words, one of the topics, and you can tell me something you struggle with in that area, something that <clears throat> inspires you, if you really rock in that area, something you want to inspire other people with, or I really need to work on that, a philosophy, whatever comes to mind, really just kind of play around with it. Okay. okay. So first one is self. Self. What am I meant to be doing? Putting words in. Anything you want. Yep. What does self mean to you? Where does it play in in your life? How do you see it as an important value for you? How do you modulate okay. the rest of the world around self? Okay. So, uh, self is, to me is your center. It's it's the essence of you in your personality, um, and it's how you hopefully um, present yourself to the world. I, how do I struggle? I struggle, part of my job involves uh, mixing amongst different groups of people. Um, so one minute you could literally be talking to a lord and a lady, then you could be talking to an LA big shot film composer. And then, you know, if you go busking sometime, then you're sharing a spot with a big issue seller and you wanna make sure that they feel respected and appreciated. So you're literally working between everyone and applying a different bit of yourself each time. So I think it's just um, remembering to give yourself a minute to come back to center when you are on your own, just to remind yourself of, of exactly who, who you am are. I, right? <laughs> <laughs> just so that you can, you know, you can bring the right parts of you to the right place at the right time without being two-faced or, you know, untrue to who you are. Love that, gorgeous. Next is relationships, which I'm really interested from you. We didn't even touch upon it, but I'll ask the question. You have a fiance you've been with for a while, and I know he does his own cool creative things as well. That is not an easy thing to navigate together. So <laughs> how do relationships work for you, whether it's with a partner, with friendships, when you travel, with family, with even people that you work with? It's really, it is really hard. Um, well, I struggle with it personally anyway. I find it... Um, in terms of family, I'm really close to my family and I don't live that close to them all the time. And often I'm away or I have to take jobs when they come in because there simply aren't jobs on other days. So, um, so you do have to, you don't have the same commitment levels as you would like 
in the day-to-day -day sense, but they know deep down if they ever called me, I would always answer and be there. Um, so, and it's the same with friends. I think those kind of relationships just, they're grounded in the knowledge that that person is there for you, even if they might not be near you every day, doing the everyday things with you, they'll always be at the end of the phone if you need them. And you know, the second we've got an opportunity to fly a family member or, or a friend out to something, or you know they might really love doing something that you're involved with, great, you know, you can get them in on that. Um, and, you know, just to count my lucky stars, I've got people in my life that are really understanding um, in that sense. Uh, in terms of Lou, who's my fiance, uh, he is totally my rock and is unreal. Um, and I think we've been together now five years, he works for Red Bull and it was off and away creating sport events for them. So, <laughs> Between the two of us, up until like Plane from a plane, yeah. <laughs> truly, it was passing ships for about kind of two, the last two years it's been passing ships. And then at about Christmas time, just funny enough, just before we got engaged, I just said, right, enough's enough. I can't do this. Your job's mainly in Cornwall, but partly in London. I'm all London for my job, but my, you know, dress company's in Cornwall. So I said, we've got to get somewhere in London um, and just make our little home. And I think that's really the key is suddenly, I find in life these kind of plate tectonic things kind of like they really push 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 and then suddenly they just go like that and for me that moment was a real defining moment of like cool let's just invest in us and have time for us and um, what I love that the solution was an us solution rather than a you or me having to pick because you beautifully would net that would never even be on your roster of options which I love I think it would be quite tricky. The poor guys that put up with so much as it is. <laughs> I don't really have the right after five years. <laughs> it's kind of been my turn, and I want, still want my turn, which is the way it should be. We shouldn't have to give up our turns for somebody. I love it. Oh dear. Yeah, I think it's it's all a it's all a balance somewhere along the lines, and it's you know trying to find that balance is as it really is a skill. I haven't really got my head around it yet, but I found that this flat has made the world of difference it just yeah. gives us time to be just a couple and um yeah appreciate the best bits in each other so, yeah, i make love that good answer okay next one is business oh business i am rubbish with money <laughs> let's start there terrible absolutely terrible i don't know if it's i grew up as a quaker and i wonder whether my my family's well, particularly my dad's influence on that has just meant that i don't like having large sums of money so don't ever bother robbing me i've got nothing but like, it, it just has to go you've got a pretty dress if you're robber but that's about, <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> that's about it um but yeah it's basically i i find business for me um really needs to be about the community that either created the the item or the community that are, are you know selling it so for example with sail away um the dresses are all still made by the family tailors in India that we started with five years ago. Mm -hmm. So we go out there every year. Um, we, I, go out there every year. Um, we, me and my multiple personalities get on a plane. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> they don't exist at my end. <laughs> I've got the most amazing bunch of, um, bunch of women, the ones I mentioned earlier that are just really uh, warm and adventurous and fun and... Um, the one thing I have found with business is if you send it in the right direction um, of like compassion and, and a sense of wanting to give back, um, it's amazing what communities come back from it. So these girls have all, these amazing women that I know have all come through Sail Away in one which way. Um, and I've been very, very, very lucky to have them and, and hopefully will in the future too. So I, I think business can be a really big beast and, um, I'm really financially rubbish, but I find that if you follow with your heart and just make sure the numbers kind of add up enough, um, it's an amazing adventure, I think. I agree 1000%. And when the money doesn't own you, it flows far easier anyway. So yeah, so <laughs> I've tried both ways. It doesn't work the other way for me either. <laughs> I can't count. So it's, it's kind of, <laughs> I'm going to mess up the numbers anyway. Well-being, which... I'm really excited to hear your answer because it sounds like you don't even have five minutes to yourself. So where does well-being <laughs> come into play of like Hollyland? 
Well, uh, it's funny, really, isn't it? Because we were talking about 10 minutes earlier and I had this hair mask on before we went <laughs> and had this conversation. I'm there in a onesie. I would miss self-care and in a onesie that I have envy for. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think well-being is incredibly important. I definitely would say over the last five years, I have let it slip a bit um, just through saying yes to a lot of projects, um, which quite often can be late night and then I'm up early next morning or there's a first flight out of wherever all this kind of thing it's all really exciting it's great and I love it um my best way to keep in keep that in check uh before we had the London flat was definitely spending time in Cornwall just with my Cornish mates going out for a walk that, going to air, that air is very healing yeah oh it's amazing and there's um there's a coffee shop in Newquay where I live called Jam Jar and all of the, I passed it. I even know where it is. It's amazing. Go in and have a salted caramel brownie. It will literally change the world. Um, and the Italian bagel. Just sit in there all day, which is what we do as self-employed people. Uh, and it is literally just full of self-employed people who like to pretend that they're not all skiving together, but we totally are. Um, and just, yeah, sharing stories. Like, I find that helps loads. Um, and then if I'm sat in London, for example, at my desk, with um and i'm getting stuck in a rut on something i will just phone up my mate that lives down the road she's got a little dog and we'll go out for a walk or go and grab a coffee um so yeah i think it's just running yourself with good people a devon girl taking over the world to still meet <laughs> friends friends are all gonna walk right <laughs> I love that. and lastly which will be a funny one with you creativity i mean lots <laughs> of people are like i don't even know we should have started with creativity right that's an easy one Oh my God, creativity. It's like, oh, it's because I'm really corny, but it is like a big old golden thread that just threads through my life. And I feel really grateful for the opportunities that allow me just to, just to go for it. Um, and, I, you know, in my day-to-day -day life, funnily enough, music can go one of two ways. Either you're, you're doing projects that are pretty much set and you play the part and you do what you need to do. That's kind of where the session world tends to go. And then you've got the gigs, um, especially I find with either jazz or with DJs, where, you know, the floor's your own, you can do whatever. And that is a really special element. And I think I'd really struggle to express myself if I didn't have that output for my creativity. Now, because your creativity is so bound to what you do for work, do you have anything with all of your free time? Ha, ha, ha. Will you ever just pick up your drumsticks and jam for yourself? Is that still a comfort for you? Or is that kind of owned by work and you knit quietly for your own self-care? Like, what happens when your creativity is actually what you do all the time? Um, I think there's, you stop doing it once you don't still have the, oh, that's terrible English. You, you I do totally it. followed it, it's fine. <laughs> so you just keep, going you know there's there's a fire with oh god it sounds so corny but anyway there's there's a fire and you know each gig that you do tends to you slice off a little piece of it and give it to it and and there's that warmth that comes from it that is so um so precious and so original and it's only created gorgeous, that's not corny that's gorgeous <laughs> I love it's, that. it's, it's you know it's a combination of all those people that are there and the influence they have on you and you have on them crowd included and that's why it's always important for a crowd to really give their best um and i think that's when your job is is creativity i think as long as there's still that that fire in each scenario where it is possible um then that's magic the second that right as like you said as long as some of it still belongs to you because a lot of us with our creativity we give it away because we know what joy it brings to other people who don't have that so it yeah. is that preservation of I love how you said the fire is yours and you give a piece away. You don't give it all away or extinguish yeah. it or turn it up for anyone else. You'd be totally depleted otherwise. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't burn yourself out like that. I don't think it's not worth it. Um, so yeah, you just give a little piece away. And, and as long as you haven't got a massive ego, it's amazing what you learn from each gig that you can take off everyone else, um, which also you, you, know, you bring back to your fire at the end of the day and that changes it a bit. And I think that's really important is just to keep listening and learning. The second you stop doing that, you see it in people. They just get to gig and they're like, oh, yeah, no gig. Here we go again. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. 
And I think also, you know, if you've got people outside of your world that you check in with regularly that have other jobs and yes. one of my best mates works in PR and we have a good old laugh about the PR world and, you know. <laughs> Makes you feel much better to climb on stage and say, thank God, this is what I do every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I've got friends, friends uh, in London and in Cornwall that have nine to fives. I've got friends that are self-employed chippies. And so... You just get these different worlds that collide and you just think, cool, well, we're all made for a different thing and that's great. But I'm very grateful that I can go and do my craft and I get paid for it and I can survive. Yeah. Just. And we're <laughs> at 7 a.m. in the morning. I mean, winning, winning on a Wednesday. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many funny moments like that. Like um, we do gigs in, um, we do, uh, I work for a few different agencies. Um, and one of them really specialises in gigs in Mayfair area of London, which is obviously a really lovely area um, and very well off. And uh, sometimes I'll come up from Cornwall, I'll be in my van and the, the, all my drums are in the back of the van. And so is like a wetsuit and there's like half a tonne of sand. And <laughs> I'll just have to get in the back of my van and just get changed into a really posh I'm out like a lady, <laughs> click, click, clicking in your heels. <laughs> I love it. 100 yards down the road and pretend that I'm a London girl and then it. get back in my big Cornish sandy van. Like, it's just, it's, it's very perfect. different. It's well. perfect. I love it. You just, you know, you just adapt, don't you? I but. love it. Where can people learn more about all of your magic? Oh, uh, well, um, Instagram's a good place to keep up with what I'm up to. Um, and what Sailor Way is up to. So the dress company's Instagram is Sailor Way Dress Company, um, obviously at Sailor Way Dress Company. And then my drum stuff, it's Holly Madge Drum. So that's M-A-D-G-E and Holly with a Y. Um, I will put all the links in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been glorious. I love oh, it. So much fun. Thank you for having me. Total pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us for another Mavericks in Motion podcast episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and head over to our Facebook page, Mavericks in Motion, to tell us what other Mavericks you'd love to hear on the show. If you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, you can head over to my website, shariteegman.com. See you on the next show.